Many people have this. Okay. So we were talking about how do we get ourselves into states of depression, states of uh, anxiety, states of grief and this and whatnot. And much of it has to do with when we were little kids, we learned how to feel from the adults that we were around. And so generally when uh, throughout the life of a, of a child from, let us say, the age of two or three up until their teenage time, more than likely they're going to have at least the experience of one person in their family dying. Or perhaps more than one. And so we learn how to deal with death by, as children, watching how the adults deal with death, even though we can see as children that sometimes these adults are not dealing with death very well. But they're still our role models. Rather than having that, there's other role models that we can have. And so we pick the role models that we have as our only role models. And so people then uh, have grief over uh, a loved one dying because they're really not ready. In fact, when we think of a loved one dying, then we don't want to think about that at all. In fact, many people even call that bad luck. And so we don't get ready or we're not prepared for it. And so when somebody does die, then all of a sudden it's a great big surprise. Where in fact, it wasn't a surprise at all. We knew this was coming, but we didn't want to deal with it then. And now we are forced to deal with it, where in fact, the better thing to do is to deal with it when we know that it's coming, knowing that we can choose the way that we're going to deal with situations rather than having to deal with them the way that we were taught to deal with them as a child. OK, so if your mother is is sick and dying, then the standard thing for you to do would be to go into grief and then go into depression and then everybody's sad and and mom's uh, ill and dying and doesn't feel good and whatnot like that and the whole family's miserable and yet they're still avoiding the fact that she's going to be dead very soon and so when she actually does die then it's a big surprise for everybody and that's kind of remarkable because it shouldn't have been a surprise at all because they knew it was coming, but they don't want to deal with it. And so when it happens, it's a great big surprise. So, in fact, if you um, are going to be ready for it when it happens and it's going to happen, you can say, well, maybe it'll happen this week. Maybe it'll happen this month. Maybe it'll happen this year, but we don't know for sure. But when it does happen, the question is, are you going to be ready for it? Um, yeah, well, I think like, to be honest, there has been a lot of moments when I do feel ready because sometimes it feels grief, like painful and beautiful at the same time in a weird way. Right, exactly. So you start looking at the beautiful part and stop trying to avoid the painful part and allow the beauty of it. The fact that humanity has gotten to the place that we are now because we have let go of the past and that with the humanity is still limited in a way because we in some cases are not really willing to let go of the past. Yeah. And so 
this is what your job will be do uh, to do is, is to begin to let go of the past even before mom dies. And the way that you can do that is letting go of the past way that you were feeling, that you actually have a choice about the way that you feel. That in fact, the entire teachings of the Buddha along with the what we would call practice in the sense of people call a meditation practice or a Dhamma practice. This this thing to practice is is to be in a mental state that is correct, wholesome and valuable, no matter what the situation is. That's the training. And this is a really good time for you to train because your only option is is to go into this whole thing completely unaware, completely untrained, completely not able to handle the situation other than the way that you were taught to handle it when you were a child, which was not very well. And so this is what the practice of Anapanasati is about, is to learn to change the way that we think and change the way that we see things. Then we learn to change the way that we feel. And ultimately, we learn to change our attitude about everything. Now, normally what we mean by that attitude is, is that children are born into this world in a one down position in the sense that the adults are bigger than we are. They put on diapers for us. They feed us, they hold us by the hand, they take us around when we're little kids and we start off then being under their control and under their care. And uh, very soon by the age of six, we come under their orders and they order us around, learn your, go to school, pick up your clothes, do your homework. And we hear for that for many years, and we wind up establishing a position of being a victim. So when something happens, we normally respond to that situation as a victim. So when mom dies and, and the victim is there, oh, poor me, oh, poor my mom, oh, I miss my mom, oh, I wish she was here to take care of me, etc. like that is the song of the victim. But when mom is dying and, and her daughter is a is a champion, is a winner, then she can go to mom and say, mom, I'll take care of you. Everything's going to be all right. I'll be here when you go. We're best of friends. We can cheer mom up. We can let her be uh, happy in her final moments, her final days. To have finally a letting go, it's time to die. Let me do so peacefully and honorably rather than fighting it. And the reason that mom would fight it is because she doesn't want to see you all in grief and everything. But if you're not in grief and you can happily say goodbye to her, she can happily say goodbye to you. And this is where you have a very noble relationship. And every time you think of it, you'll cry with joy. Off into the future. You'll have joyous memories of your mom rather than regrets and grief. Your choice. So how can we begin to make that choice? This is where we practice because we have to practice it in the sense that 
An example would be every time now, from now on, every time that you have a thought of your mother, you have a joyful thought of your mother, not a griefful thought of your mother. I, I struggle, and, like, um, because she sometimes, like, since, since they, she got diagnosed with cancer, she started to have, like, anxiety. And I think it's related to that, but it's also right. related to the fact that she cannot walk. So she's always in a chair and she misses walking. And she has told me, like, I'm okay with dying. I just miss walking. Okay. <laughs> and now, let me ask you this question quickly before you go on. If you have grief, anxiety, and, and uh, uh, not liking the fact that she's not walking, Will those feelings help her to walk? Uh, no. No, no. Okay. If if uh, uh, you have those kind of thoughts, will they help her to feel better while she's sitting in a chair and not able to walk? No, I always tell her that I can just take her out on the wheelchair and it's no problem. Like she okay. doesn't need legs. So if. That's, that's wonderful. If you can cheer your mom up, then you can cheer yourself up. And in fact, if you can cheer yourself up, you can cheer your mom up even better. You could not possibly cheer her up if you didn't have any joy inside at all. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Ah, welcome okay. back. No problem. No problem. I see that this is touching you also. This is an important point in uh, uh, Anna Lou's life. Thank you for calling about this because this is a major issue. Every one of us will either lose a mother or a child or some loved one, and eventually every one of us is going to lose even ourselves. We're going to die. The question is, can you do that? Because you don't have any choice about whether it's going to happen or not. And we often don't even have a choice about when. But the choice that we have is how we're going to handle it. I, I the choice like, is, go ahead. Uh, like one question I have, because I think like I have found peace in knowing she's going to die. But what I really struggle is seeing her suffering right now. Like when she has these panic attacks of pain or of just anxiety, what I do is I just focus on my body and like grab her hand and I try to keep my body relaxed. But I'm okay. like, I don't know what else. Like I just tell her like I understand her pain and that I am here. Uh, but I don't know if there is something else I can do when that happens. Yes. Yes, there is more that you can do, but what you are talking about doing is excellent, and I congratulate you for that. And yes, there is more for you to do also, but you're doing what you can do, and what you're doing is beneficial. But uh, in, in that case, though, uh, you are still focused on the fact that your mom is in physical pain and suffering, and because of that, you're um, uh, inviting her to see you 
caring about her suffering, which means now she's involved with her suffering. One of the ways then we can handle it otherwise is by you getting her off of her suffering, by you coming off of her something and start paying attention to something that is good, valuable and wholesome, rather than commiserating over the uh, unwholesome, the suffering, the pain. To get her to focus on something else. An example would be to tell her a joke, to sing her a song, play music for her. These are things that you can do to get her mind off of that. But the place to go is not from one wholesome thing to another, like tell her a story about what Uncle Billy did at the bar. You know, you don't want those kind of stories. What you want is happy stories, childlike stories. Let your mom go back into her childhood. You can talk about uh, things that she would like to talk about, including asking her questions about what it was like when you were a little, little girl, because she would really like that, to have that kind of bond with you. So talk about things that happened when you were really little. Ask her questions about her childhood when she was really little, long before you were born. Help to connect that cycle. And by doing so, you're now comforting her, bonding with her, uh, sharing your joy with her, and keeping her off of her suffering, and you're off of her suffering too. Just kind of ignore that stuff, put it away. That that's not the way to, to look in the sense of the loss of something but rather to remember that you still have a paradise with her. That you don't have to judge it, just like we were talking about, in fact, that this is the, the problem is, is that you think that her suffering and her pain is bad. And that not having that suffering and pain would be good. Okay, that's the judgment. That's the eating of the fruit of the good of the knowledge in good and evil. And the result of that, the fruit of it is, is that now you feel bad because you want your mom to be not in physical pain. The, ex the reality is, is that she is in physical pain. So long as she's thinking about that physical pain, but when she's not thinking about the physical pain, She's thinking about something else that she's not in physical pain. She's in something else. So take her to a pleasant place. Take her to the paradise part of the paradise. That sounds like a good idea. It's just kind of like redirecting like the energy or something. Yes. Is it, is it the you same? You can call it energy. You can call it direct the feelings. You can call it directing the attention. You can call it directing the attitude. You can call it directing thoughts. All of those is the way of directing her, is directing her and your own mind away from how bad it is into how nice it is. That you can spend these times with your mom joyfully rather than regretting that you can't spend a whole lot of time in a mediocre way. See, this is interesting. A lot of people would rather mom live another five or ten years, and then we can just have a mediocre life with her, as opposed to she's only going to live for another week or two or three or a month or so, and we can live that 
really joyously. Yes. So pack up all the joy that you would have with her in the next 15 or 20 years and pack it right in right now. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> and like the, this redirecting of atten attention, is it also good if I do it when she expresses sometimes like her sadness? Because this is something like that she had been like hiding from me. Because she yes, didn't want in to fact, worry. that's exactly, oh, you're asking the really right question. I would expect to cover this on the next topic when you call the next couple of days when that comes up. Exactly. Why? Because if you become joyful and you become real with her and she starts to see and trust that, she will trust you to remain in your joy while she can let her sadness out. And you invite her to do that. Your job when she does share her sadness is to not go commiserate and have a yet another pity party with her and you become sad too. Your job will be to remain joyful even though she's sad. Okay, but do or I to come back and be joyful and to and to mention to her that she does not have to think about and talk about the things that make her sad when she's got you there yeah. to have joy with. Yeah, because she, she tells me like, like, yeah, I'm sad of what, uh, like the loss of her health and her legs and stuff. And, and then I tell her like, well, it's better to accept it because you're not getting like movement of your legs back. And then she asked, she, she asked me like, okay, how do I accept, accept that I won't be able to walk? And the only thing I came come up to say to her is like, okay, we can accept this moment because I don't know how, like, I don't know how to answer that. I just tell her like, oh, we can try to accept like this instance and workers like from here. You can tell about the work. It's clear to you and it's clear to her that now is not the time and there may never come a time when it's time for her to go to work. Oh, you I already mean, know that. Walking, like walking. A walk, legs. walk. Yeah. <laughs> that, but it's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same in the sense that if she can't walk, then that's how things are. She can still be happy and not walk. That in fact, uh, she that gives her the the option that she doesn't have to go any place. <laughs> that she could actually just sit and relax, and anytime says you got to go to town or you got to go do this, or you got to go to work, and she just say, well, man, these legs don't work anymore, and I don't, I can't go any place. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> That this is one of the joys of old age is when someone gets old, they can just say, well, I'm too old to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then we can begin to do what we want to do because we got a built in excuse. Yeah. Can't wait so to your mom old. is. Yeah. So your mom has some built in excuses now and you can teach her how to take advantage of that instead of being sad because she can't walk. She can be glad that she doesn't have to. 
Yeah, I always tell her like, well, maybe you have cooked like thousands of times for me and now I get to cook for you and you get that to just That was going eat. to be the next thing I was going to say. You're a step ahead of me. I'm <laughs> <laughs> exactly that you can tell her that you that she has taken care of you and you have relied upon her for so long now you're going to return that favor and that she can rest assured that you're going to take care of her so that she can feel okay about it. You can say this is payback time. You don't have to be thankful or anything, but you deserve the care that I give you. And so you can sit there in your chair and not have, not be able to walk and I'll bring you what you need. And I'll take care of you. Everybody in the family will take care of you. Because she's probably a pretty good caretaker for years. That's why she wants to get up and go around. Is because she wants to take care of people. Yeah. And now it's time for you to take care of her. Yeah, and, you can, and you can let her feel really good about that. That it's really okay now that we're taking care of her. Everything's all right. Yeah. Everything's okay. Everything is fine. Not a problem. These are the kind of thoughts that you need to have also, not just concerning your mom, but concerning yourself. This is actually what we mean by a, a meditation practice with Anapanasati. Is, is that we have to see things correctly about what is, in fact, wholesome or not wholesome. And as I've been describing to you, you can now see that feeling bad and commiserating with your mom and about her pain is not a wholesome thing to do because both of you wind up continuing to feel bad. That it would be much more wholesome to start to look at the things that are good, are valuable, are wholesome, that you can take joy from. And so this is basically the entire teaching of the Buddha, Dukkha, Dukkha Naroda, to come out of our misery, out of our problems, and come in to see things in a nurturing way, in a wholesome way, in a loving way, to become really good friends with your mom and to say, I'll take care of you, mom. I know that your body's not doing the way that you want it to do anymore. Use that as an excuse to not have to do anything anymore. And take a rest. Enjoy your life. Have some peace at, at, finally. And just relax and have fun. That's what you can teach her to do. But you need to know how to do that yourself. To relax and have fun and enjoy the moment. How do we do that? Is we practice it. We practice remembering to stop having those unwholesome thoughts that keep us depressed, keep us anxious, keep us in grief, keep us in suffering and pain and all of that, and start having happy, joyful thoughts instead. Thoughts of everything's all right, thoughts of, wow, isn't this a nice day? Thoughts about, oh, this one breath that I'm having. It's life-giving. But in fact, that's something that you can begin to share with your mom also, is to teach her to just to take a deep breath and relax. Long, deep in-breath. Just relax. While she's got lungs, let's use them. Let's play with them. Take a deep breath and get full of energy and relax and just let it all go. This is the practice of Anapanasati, and you can practice this also. So 
basically, um, we have this right view. And then the next thing is right sati. And right sati has to do with remembering. That you remember. You remember over and over again. Because if you don't remember to have these wholesome thoughts, you'll wind up going back to the unwholesome thoughts by default. That's just the ordinary way that your mind works now, like everybody's. But so we have to remember, to remember often, over and over and over again, to remember, hey, I don't have to feel bad because my mom's sick. Hey, if I feel really good and feel really joyful and happy, then I can go cheer her up and then she doesn't care if she's sick anymore either. Because she's happy. So these are the kind of things that we have to do, but we also, with that sati, to remember this, we also have to take the effort. Because sometimes you'll have the idea, oh, I can't get out of this, oh, poor me. This is just too much. Then you say, no, I'm gonna take the effort to climb out of my own misery and say, hey, I can take a deep breath, I can feel good. I can talk myself into uh, brightening the mind, gladdening the mind. And when you do this over and over again, you begin to develop it in a way that you feel confident that you can do this. I think that you're already seeing that you can do this. And if you can do this and you know that you can do this, then that helps the effort. Now it's not going to be so much effort if you already know that you can do this, the right attitude. These four things together, right view, right sati, right effort, and right attitude, work together to make the mind function correctly. Makes the mind unified and whole rather than split apart with grief and anxiety and depression and all this kind of stuff. You can unify it into a state of, hey, I can handle things right now. Yeah, mom is sick, but we can handle that. We can do this. Yeah. Yeah, that makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think like sometimes it has happened uh, spontaneously, like my mind is in this big team mode and sometimes my mind gets sick of itself and it's like, oh, I'm tired of being dramatic and then it just drops. So what you're talking is doing that consciously. Like if I'm being a big team, I can be like, you know what? I don't need to be a big team. <laughs> Exactly correct. That's exactly right. This is what you have to keep telling yourself because otherwise the default is going to going back into feeling bad and miserable and depressed and all of that. But wake up. That's the sati. To remember, you don't have to do that. You don't have to. You can feel good instead. Yeah, because, you know, sometimes people treat me like a victim even more than I feel I am. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not really like, you know, like, it's not like I'm, I'm, I don't know, like wounded or it's not like someone stabbed me, like I'm okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sometimes yes, I'm just that's, sad, but that's I'm part okay. of that's part of victimhood, by the way, and that is looking for someone else to fix the situation that we blame them for having broken. In other words, it's not my fault that I'm a victim. Somebody else may dismiss, and I want somebody else to clean it up so I don't have to, right? This is where the whole idea of, of helpers come from. That, in fact, whole religions have been started because victims want someone to help them. 
But one of the things that you'll begin to realize is, is that you are strong enough to help yourself. You are actually wise enough to help yourself. All you have to do is to remember that you can come out of your unwholesome harming thoughts into wholesome helping thoughts and you can change your own mind. You don't have to take a pill to come out of depression. You can come out of depression by saying, man, I'm not depressed. <laughs> so, and when, because right now I don't feel sad or anything, but when I do feel like overwhelmed, I'm guessing like the easiest place to look for joy will be the breath or and then yes. build up from there. Coming back to the breath and allowing the breath to be healing. The breathing is actually a healing when you have long, deep in-breaths, not really, really long, stretching it out and making it work, but just long, relaxed, easy breathing helps to energize the body and to purify it because it helps take the carbon dioxide and all of those little chemicals out while we're breathing. And not only that, but by consciously breathing long, by intentionally breathing long, which means with sati, or to remember to breathe in long and to remember to breathe out long, we're actually not just controlling the breath, we're controlling the mind also. Because how in the world can you control the breath if you're not actually controlling the mind to control your breath? Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? It's actually the mind that you're learning to control, you're just using the breath as an object or a tool to learn to control the mind to remember to take long, deep in-breaths and long, deep out-breaths while you're having happy thoughts, nurturing thoughts, rather than unwholesome thoughts of, oh, how bad it is. Those yeah. things are, are marvelous. You live in a paradise. You've just been judging that paradise and turning it into a hell of your own, when in fact it was a perfectly good paradise all along. Yeah, and I think it's weird, but I feel because sometimes when I talk to people or friends, I feel like they treat me like, oh, poor you, because you are like isolated and because of everything that's going on with your mom. And that, All I right. feel like well, guess what? When you so get your act together, stupid. you can cheer them up, too. <laughs> when they come and say, oh, poor you, you say, you don't have to say poor me. <laughs> I'm good. I'm okay. Yeah, mom's sick, but we're good. We're going to be all right. Mom's going to be all fine. She's going to be fine. Whether she stays in that chair, in the bed, up walking, or in the grave, either way, it all works out just fine. You can handle whatever happens. Yeah. And you can do it with joy and being on top of your own world that you can handle this. That's the strength that comes from being able to clean out the mind and keep putting in wholesome thoughts. Keep looking at the, every thought that you have or every time that you remember. I don't really mean every thought, but rather whenever you remember, look at the thought and say, hey, is this a thought that's going to make my mom joyful and happy? Is it going to make me joyful and happy? Or is this thought going to help me go into sadness and depression Am I thinking about how bad she feels or I'm thinking about how good I can go make her feel? So when you're out there on the street, when you are, when you're sitting at home, thinking about the guys out on the street as when you're out on the street, when they come to help you feel bad, you say, Hey man, you can't make me feel bad. 
I have learned how to feel good. This is your choice, but you've been practicing many years a choice to feel bad. Now I give you the opportunity to remember that you have a choice moment by moment in each individual moment. You have a choice to right now to recognize you are in paradise and things are OK the way they are. And how does like equanimity fit in this? This is equanimity, isn't it? So it's very because I think maybe I have a wrong view of what equanimity means <laughs> because in my mind equanimity is not joyful. And now when I hear you talk, I notice it is a very different concept of what I had in my mind, which was like a lot more neutral maybe. Well, uh, there is an element of gratitude that is in there. That in fact, gratitude is something that we uh, don't look at as if it were an attribute. And in fact, there's a loser's way of looking at gratitude and a winner's way of looking at gratitude. The, the loser's way is I'm, I'm grateful because you gave me something that I couldn't get on my own. But the winner's attitude about gratitude is, wow, mom, thank you for giving me life. You have been such a really good mom to me, and I love you so much. And I'll take care of you and give you everything that you need, and you and I'll be best friends. And I say that out of gratitude, that you gave me life. Thank you. Okay, so there's that winner's gratitude. So work with that gratitude because that gratitude actually becomes very satisfying. Allow yourself to be satisfied with the way things are. That you don't have to take things with trepidation and fear and anxiety. That there's really no dangers. Things do die. But that's not a big problem. It's only a big problem when we make it a big problem. And so right now you can see that in your life there's really no dangers. I would normally tell students to look around. There's no alligators, no crocodiles, there's no wolves, there's no uh, mafia. So things are really safe. And so you can allow yourself to feel really safe. Safe and secure, confident and uh, comfortable and satisfied. These are the elements that we're looking for, that little group of things, not many, just safety and security, comfort, satisfaction and success. The success is that you know how to feel good and that you can feel good. Okay. But this has to be practiced. Yes. You'll notice yourself from time to time saying, goodness gracious, I'm not doing what I know that I could do. And here I am feeling bad because I've talked myself into feeling bad. So don't give yourself a hard time because you've given yourself a hard time. Don't give yourself two hard times. <laughs> that when you recognize that you're giving yourself a hard time, lighten up immediately. Say, wow, I'm glad I saw myself doing that. Wow, I can be happy instead. So that's equanimity? Well, that's that leads to equanimity. That's actually joy. And mm. when joy gets really big, then it has a really wow feeling. 
And that's not equanimity. That's on that's on top of the world kind of feeling. Okay, that's not equanimity. Equanimity is when after we do that, then we relax into a state of satisfaction. But there everything is uh, easy going. And so then we relax even a little more than that, where everything is just ah, and that's equanimity. Okay, it's when things are just so easy, so relaxed, that there really is no thoughts of any place to go and nothing to do. But you're going in that direction when you're going for sukha. That in fact, the Pali word is opaka. Opaka is the word for equanimity. And that that we build it up. So that we get it well exercised. Another example is, is that you cannot come from minus one to zero, that you always have to come from plus one down to zero. What do I mean by that is that you cannot come from negative bad feelings up to equanimity cannot be done. Uh, so Sukha is like a stepping stone. You have to bring it to the positive side. You have to come out of your unwholesome into really wholesome, bright, shiny, Good tidings, good feelings, everything is great. You can feel elated. And with that elation comes, um, um, let's use the word eagerness or enthusiasm. And when the enthusiasm is there, then the, then the effort is easy, but the job gets done. And so the enthusiasm actually then relaxes also into equanimity. Resistance never melts into equanimity. Resistance just stays resistance. But enthusiasm will melt into satisfaction and satisfaction then melts into equanimity. Okay, okay but this is a little advanced. Right now you're needing to do some of the um, uh, let's get on top of the world kind of stuff. Okay, so first, get some joy in your mind. Get some joy. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because I was trying to jump straight to equanimity. <laughs> no, that that's not that's not the correct path. We have to go through sukha and joy and uh, rapture or uh, uh, great elation. You have to know that you're on top of this. You could talk about it in the sense of uh, strength. You've heard of, of sometimes that there's a kind of uh, a strong silent type or that strength can be very quiet. A strength? Strength. OK, yeah. now now we're talking about real strength, but normally what you see is not real strength. What you see is a bully, a victim pretending to be powerful which means that he has to show off his power. Yeah, right. But once he knows for absolute sure that he can win this thing, then he doesn't have to show his power anymore because he's got the real thing that he needed, which was the confidence. So power and confidence together means that now he doesn't have to do anything. Because he can take care of anything. And because he can take care of anything, he really doesn't have to 
bother with much of anything, that everything becomes really easy. Yeah. All right, as opposed to then the other side of that is the victim who is also quiet in the face of the bully because he's afraid of the bully. So you have then the one who is in fear, then you have the bully who is in fear, but he's acting strong, and then you have the really strong one. And what's the really strong one going to do? He's just going to walk away from the bully. He's just going to take a hike. I don't need to be here. I could be someplace else. <laughs> and in fact, he may circle back around and then uh, nurture the victim, which is also an option. But if he is also a bully, he will tangle with the bully. But if he's really strong, he doesn't tangle with the bully. Like, there's so. no... But, so... So it's like... But you mean like the bully first had to... Like he was looking for strength, so he had to fake it. Right, exactly. The bully is faking power because, and in fact, if you if you see the the way that they they look at it in psychology, is the bully always wants to have um, henchmen or enforcers around him, but he's not willing to go out and live alone. He's not willing to go bully all of the kids on in the schoolyard until he's got a couple of friends who's going to back him up. The strong talent silent type he doesn't need backup he's out there on his own because he knows he can handle it yeah okay and this is where we're going in fact we could use the word that is often used you probably heard this that the the buddha was considered a lion he was also called a bull what does that mean that means confidence okay you can't then come from uh, a negative uh, sad state up to uh, equanimity because there's no confidence there. There's no real strength, there's no real power to maintain that, and so it's quite easy to fall back into the negative place. This is why we have to go really, really positive so that we gain power and strength and knowledge that we can handle anything especially whatever's happening right now. Whatever's happening right now, I can handle it. Don't have to worry about what's happening in the future because that may not ever happen. <laughs> but I can handle it right now. So just get into the, uh, to the mindset or the attitude. I can handle things right now. I can do this. But I don't have to have a pity party because my mom's having a pity party. I can go in there with her and cheer her up. And both of us will be happy. You know that you can do that. Yeah. That's the confidence. So then okay. that's going to build up confidence that can end up being equanimity. Right. That, that's the basis then or the foundation is that power and that knowledge of the power that you can handle anything, that self-assurance or that, uh, the Pali word is shraddha, and it means confidence. Not, not faith exactly, but just real confidence, the confidence that you could do this. Where that confidence comes is the confidence of knowing that no matter 
how obstructed your mind gets with, say, sadness or whatever, that you can clean that out and bring your mind back into a happy, wholesome state. That's what builds the confidence. Okay, now I am understanding. <laughs> okay, good, right. That, you, that That's the confidence that no matter how obstructed my mind gets, I can pull it out. I can come back to this present moment. I can cheer up. And by cheering up, I can cheer up everybody around me who is also stuck in their own mental uh, bad feelings. But I can't take them out of their bad feelings until I can take my own mind out of bad feelings. Yeah. And so this is what Anapanasati is all about. This is the actual practice. Now, we can put some formalities in this in the sense of when you practice and when not to practice and that kind of stuff. Basically, when not to practice doesn't exist. When to practice, the right way of saying when to practice is every time you remember to practice. Every time you remember to practice. There's, in fact, a little joke about that. The student said that he was watching a video on YouTube and the thoughts came, you ought to be meditating. And then he doesn't want to meditate. And so a minute later, he has another thought. You ought to meditate. <laughs> I don't want to meditate. But now he's got this dialogue going on in his mind, and he's not watching the video. He's arguing with himself whether he wants to go and meditate or not. But that's missing the point. The real way of looking at it is as soon as he has the thought of you ought to be meditating, the answer to that is... <sighs> Oh, thanks for the reminder. <laughs> and we just take a deep breath and just relax. That's the meditation. It's just to remember that in any posture, in any position, you don't have to do a formal practice. All you have to do is to remember. And so sometimes it's a good idea to practice that. This is why we wanted practice in the sense of a long, deep in-breath and a long, deep out-breath and another long, deep in-breath and another long, deep out-breath, because that's sati. We have to remember to take a long, deep breath. We have to remember to take a long, deep out-breath, which that means is, is that building that sati, doing the sati over and over and over again, means that when you need it the most, it's going to be there for you because you've been building it up. So that just at the right time when you need it, like the guy comes up the street and says, oh, poor you, you can't go out anymore because of mom or something like that. Oh, poor dear. That's the time to remember and to wake up and say, hey, man, that's not me. I'm OK. I'm good. I'm all right. I, <gasps> everything's OK. That's the way that you, but you have to remember to do that. You have to. Uh, no. keep track of that you have a choice about how you're going to feel Domorado yes. I have a question um, so uh, the, uh, so say I managed to get myself into that wholesome state into positive thinking and joy and I keep hanging on to it for a while and then I can see it slipping in like into okay. something and I know I'm I'm letting it go already. And I can see I can see it happening and I and, and I then you feel bad. 
and then I keep doing the practice, but it doesn't work as the same as it used to like a week ago. And then just it well, that's just because you up. expect it to. You're, yeah. you're wanting something that you don't have now. You had it before, but now you're in this in the situation. I knew what it was like to feel good, and now I don't feel good. Right? Yeah. Okay. Here's the way. Even that is okay. Just relax and say, even if it doesn't feel as good as I want it to feel, that's because I'm wanting something that I don't have. That how it feels right now is still good I, enough. It's just I feel very angry. <laughs> Well, say that angry and say, hey, I don't have to be angry with myself because I'm just feeling ordinary. See, we spiral ourselves right down to it. We want to go up, and when we don't go up, we then start to spiral back down. Watch that spiraling down and say, hey, I don't have to do that. I can be satisfied with wherever I am, and by being satisfied with it, it begins to get slowly better. Basically, it's all back to that second noble truth of the Buddha, wanting something that we don't have. Wanting things to be different. Instead of allowing things to be good enough, just like they are. Yeah. That's a little, that's, that needs a little more practice. Yeah, a little more practice will do you. Yeah, just remember everything's okay. Everything is fine. And I don't have to want to feel any particular way. Because if I want to feel a particular way, then I'll be disappointed because I don't feel the way I want to feel. Instead of saying, hey man, it's okay. This is another way of talking about nurturing, you see. Nurturing as opposed to critical thinking, because even though uh, you're thinking that these are nurturing thoughts. They're actually critical in the sense that you're saying now is not good enough. I want to to be now the way that it was last week. Mm-hmm. Instead of the nurturing is, is that isn't this nice enough? Isn't this one right now good enough? Yes, for sure it's good enough. Didn't have to be like it was last week. It could be a new way. It's almost also another thing is like you... I know that I can come back for help. And I give myself like a little, um, say, um, like a day or, I don't know, a few hours to kind of work work itself out myself. And it's just not working. And I feel humiliated by admitting it to myself and then asking for help again. And that's, I know it's, I understand it's judging, judging and that's again it's just part of the same thing. It's um, part of the same spiral. I I understand what you're saying. This is actually part of the uh the uh, this comes with the territory. This is part of the toy that I play with is to recognize that we do this. Okay? So it's okay that you call me. It really is all right. Because I know that I can give you another spark, another jolt, another uh, uh, can of Kickapoo Joy Juice or whatever you want to call it. And uh, But you also know that part of that has to do with giving you also the confidence that you can become satisfied. 
Okay. And when you did become satisfied, then it became quite joyful. Now you're remembering the joy and you're saying, I want the joy. I want the joy. And that means that now you're dissatisfied. Where's the joy going to come from if you're dissatisfied because you don't have enough joy? No, we're not practicing it that way. We're practicing to become satisfied, to become content. Everything's all right. Nurture yourself. Things are all right right now. Okay, like with her mom. Her mom's in pain. That's all right. Her mom's okay right now. I know. I'm comparing myself to the the situation of Annie Lou and what I have here going on, and that's even that's making me feel even worse. <laughs> like I have nothing in comparison. Like this is. Can can you be satisfied with that? That you're okay. Mm-hmm. No, I'm judging. <laughs> I'm judging myself. Yes, you're judging again. There you are. You're judging yourself again. Guess what? We're not. We're not judging you. You're judging you. Absolutely. Well, lay off. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to judge yourself. You could be okay as you are without having to say that how I am needs improvement didn't need any improvement. You're okay just the way you are. Then, in fact, that's even a way of handling depression. That when you are feeling depression, you say, never mind, that's okay. I can handle depression. I'm good to go. Depression is optional. (laughs) But when we say, oh, no, I hate this depression and I want it to be different. That's dukkha. That's when we become dissatisfied. That in fact, for many people, depression is the satisfying hidey hole because depression itself is so much better than anxiety. But instead of turning it off with with the loser's light switch, we can turn it off with the winner's light switch instead. In the sense of, hey, I can handle this. Yeah, this is the feeling that I have right now. Uh, Bhikkhu Buddhadasa talks about it even in the sense of when the body gets sick. Use that as an opportunity to practice. Yeah, the body is sick. I can just let that body lay here in bed. Doesn't have to go anyplace or do anything. It's sick already, folks. Leave it alone. But the mind is not sick. Just the body. The mind's okay. Mine's having fun here. Watching this sick body. So this is the way that we can look at it is, is that it doesn't matter what adversities that we have. We can still look on the bright side of this fact that we're still in paradise. This is okay. This is a fine place to be. The biggest problem with humanity is that they keep trying to fix something because they think it's broken. But it's not broken, everything's all right. Everything's right. Even if I say, oh, I'm sad, then I can have a reason to be sad, then I can feel sad and I can say, but that's okay, I can feel sad. 
And if we just let ourselves feel sad, then maybe we can just get over it. I think, in fact, that when we don't really let ourselves go fully into sadness, and so it lingers. It's almost like if we would pop the cork and let it spew out, then the bottle would be empty really quick. But, oh, no, we kind of turn it a little bit, a little, little out. And, oh, no, that's too bad. And then we turn it a little bit more. And meanwhile, we've got a whole bottle full of this stuff. One <laughs> just and let it go. Okay, well, okay, so here, if, if the allowing to feel sad, right, then when, how does it come to I don't have to feel sad and be joyful? That's the know? whole point is when you see the sadness directly and know how it feels, you can say, but everything's okay. You'd be surprised at how fast you come out of that sadness when you recognize that it's okay to feel sad. And that you'll get along with it and you'll get along without it. It's okay to have sadness for the moment. That the original problem was where the sadness came from. Where did it come from? The sadness came from having unhappy thoughts. Wanting something that you didn't have or losing something. And so now you've had those thoughts and you feel bad and you feel sad. Now wake up time comes and now you recognize that you're feeling sad. You can give yourself permission instead of say, damn it, you're not supposed to feel sad. You're supposed to be happy. No, that's just more judgments keeping us sad. But when we say it's okay to feel bad, it's okay to feel sad right now. You'll get over it really quickly. And then you do. You come right out and take a deep breath and say, hey, I can handle this. I can handle this sadness. I'm okay. Everything's going to be all right. You'd be surprised at how fast that sadness melts right off because we're having wholesome thoughts now and we got sad because we were having unwholesome thoughts. Oh, poor me, the victim. And now we're having thoughts of, hey, man, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a champion here. I can handle a bit of sadness. No worries. Because look at you, you can handle it. You cried, but you didn't melt onto the floor. You're not the Wicked Witch of the West. (laughs) (laughs) One minute ago, you were feeling all sad, and look, now you've finished it. I do feel lighter. It's just such a... Why is it so meandering? Why is it not like a straightforward way? It's not... Nothing is. Everything is back and forth and up and down and Nietzsche. Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. Be comfortable with the fact that you do change a lot. Instead of demanding that you were something that you're not, and then when you get something else and you demand something else of yourself, let yourself be natural. It's okay that sometimes you feel bad, sometimes you feel sad, but you come out of it really quickly when you have the attitude of a winner. I can handle this. And you can, you can handle this. You've been sad before and you got through it. Knowing that you can get through it really easily. You can. You can get through it, too. Everybody can get through it. But few of us know that we can. 
most of us feel afraid and scared because we're in the position of being a victim. This is why we want to practice becoming strong. We want to practice being confident. In order to practice being confident, we got to actually do something that we're a winner at. And I give you something really easy to do. And if you do something really easily, but you do it well, then you can gain confidence. I can do that. And so what is it the easy thing to do is to change the thought from an unwholesome thought to a wholesome thought. You'd be surprised at how easy that is to do. Is to change that unwholesome thought about, oh, how bad it is, or I don't like this and I like that, and everything's okay, everything's fine. Let's have some nurturing thoughts here. Everything's going to be all right. The way that a mother treats a tender young infant, not a three or four or a five-year-old child, but a very tender young infant, mom nurtures that baby. She tends to it when it cries. When it's six years old, he may get another spanking if he cries. But when he's an infant, mom takes care of him. Okay, learn to take care of yourself like you've got your own little mommy built in who's going to nurture you because you do have that mommy built in. Only most of the time that mommy is a critical mommy. Saying, you do this and you do that and you straighten up and you ought to have the joy that he talked about. None of these kind of thoughts that we have. That's the critical parent. Rather than the nurturing parent is everything's okay, everything's fine. Yeah, you're sad, but you'll get over that really quick. Take a deep breath and just enjoy your moment. And also, like in the late, like in the few, whatever, how many weeks we've been talking about, I noticed that this ups and downs are even bigger, even deeper now. There's more. That's mindfulness for you. They've been that big and that deep and up and down, and you just didn't see it before. Now you're beginning to see how things really are, and it's still okay. Everything's all right, even when there's up and even when it's down. Everything's going to be in a seesaw. Everything is in turmoil. Things grow, things get bigger, things get smaller, things change. It goes from white to black and then back to white again. And everything is in flux. And it's a paradise. And all we have to do is just continue to remember that you're in paradise. You're already there. You've got everything you need. Everything is okay. This is the comforting or the nurturing. Everything's all right. You can get along. Practice this over and over again because both of you have spent years critical of yourself. And there for a little while, Anna, you were not critical of yourself. You got some of that joy and now you go back to it. Now you want it. And you're back into that critical point again rather than no you're all right again you don't have to want it it'll come on its own all you have to do is just be satisfied with the way things are right now 
ultimately that equanimity is to be satisfied with the way things are. But we've got to actually build that joy in, but the joy comes through the satisfaction. It's almost like that when satisfaction comes, it comes and then it grows and gets very big and then it comes back down to an easy place. That's a, that's one of the ways of looking at it. Being an electrical engineer, I think of it as kind of a sine wave. Where people come at the bottom of the trough and they've got to go back up to the zenith before they can go back down to zero. But you can't go from the nadir to zero. You've got to go from the nadir to the zenith before you can go to zero. Uh, okay. What what else is there to like? All right, so if I, we have this mindfulness and I can see how huge the difference is now in between how I like, talk the the highs and lows, mm -hmm. what else is there? Is there anything Enjoying else? Enjoying the highs and the lows. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Stop trying to rewrite the script and enjoy the show. I, I haven't slept last night. <laughs> I, didn't, listen, I, I didn't sleep. Like, how can I enjoy no sleep? <laughs> this is wonderful. Just relax. <laughs> See, one of the things that prevent people from going to sleep is the need and demand for sleep. Oh, you've got to go to sleep. Oh, you've got to go to sleep. You don't have to go to sleep. All you have to do is just lay down and enjoy the fact that you're tired right now. Oh my God, this is like there's so many um, levels to. There's so many extra things. There's so that, many different ways to apply the same yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. Are there so many different bad feelings, and there's only a few. Good feelings. So when you're tired, you want to go to sleep. Okay. Instead of when you're tired, you could just enjoy being tired. Oh, wow, I feel so tired. Just get comfortable. All you have to do is just get comfortable and you'll go to sleep. If you're tired, you'll go to sleep. But if you have to go to sleep, now you've got work to do. And that's hard to go to sleep when you got so much work to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anilu, how are you doing right now? Um, good. I just muted myself because there's a train that's going by. Ah, <laughs> uh, I see. Yes, I can hear the train. Yeah, but I'm good. I'm really like motivated to start doing that with my thoughts. And like you Excellent. said, there are going to be like a million thoughts. And I'm like, oh, like, let's see what's the next one. <laughs> I'm really glad to hear that you're motivated. That's great. That's exactly it. In fact, that motivation that you speak of the word that I would use would be enthusiastic, that you could see that you've got something to do now, that you've got a, 
kind of plan. Yes, go ahead, but Anna. Anilu, I like your approach of like you have the softness around this. Like you, you just kind of it's an invitation to try it, and I can compare it to mine. I want like grabbing on like this aggressiveness almost, and I adore how you how you treat this opportunity to work to practice it. With just May softness. the two of you be good friends and each other rub off on each other. <laughs> I would like that. <laughs> yeah, that will be good. <laughs> and yeah, I've been also on the other side of wanting the things to have been really bad. Like that also happens to me a lot. <laughs> but I found like curiosity almost always kills that. <laughs> oh my god, that's. It's just unknown for me right now, curiosity. <laughs> like it's just I won't I the need to know already, I guess. Uh, the impatience. Yeah, impatient you want something. Right? Yeah. Oh and, yeah. and and uh the practice is is to come out of wanting and learning to be satisfied with the way things are. And with that comes great joy recognize that we do live in a paradise. It's a marvelous place that we live in. And we keep trashing the joint by wanting stuff to be different. And so the practice then is to practice being okay. To nurture yourself. Instead of judging yourself, you don't have to come up to anyone's standards especially the ones that you manufactured for yourself. That you've already arrived. There's no place to go now. You're already at home. Not just home. It's the paradise of a home. You're already at home. And all you have to do is just stop wanting so much and just enjoy what you have. Just enjoy the show. This is a marvelous show. <laughs> <laughs> it's called a reality play, I think. <laughs> I am wondering how to work this into just being okay, say, during a classroom, an activity, like when you want to answer teacher's question. Like now I'm thinking, do I really want to answer? Do I want to be the best now? It's like over, over. Am I overcomplicating it now, or uh, what? What am I motivated by? And there's all kinds of questions now pouring out. So being okay with say not with, with uh, letting. Well, let us put it this way. Let's go through a scenario. The teacher asks a question, and you know the answer, and you raise your hand, and she picks on another student to answer. Now what happens? Um, it's almost a relief that I was not. Yes, of course it's a relief. Of course it is. Wow, I'm glad that's over. I didn't have to do that one. Everything is okay. Of course it's a relief. Allow yourself to have that relief. But many of us saying, what the hell? I know that better than he does. Why didn't the teacher call on me? Me! Okay. That's what, that's the way that many of the guys will behave. 
No, actually, like when, for example, the answer is, I mean, the, the question is there. It's almost like it's so, uh, I feel so anxious. Although I, I might know the answer, it's still so many self-doubts and just uh, not allowing myself to be, to know, to be, to, to be able to answer. Like, what is well, this? in that situation, you can, the, the thing of it is, is that if you are already in a state of joy, then it doesn't matter all of those kind of details. See, you're trying to work it out to get it right so that you can feel good. And I invite you to go ahead and get it worked out so that you feel good. And then ever how you handle the situation is all right. Whether somebody else answers it or you answer it or some, the, the question is, is are you joyful? Whether you know the answer to the question or not. Yeah, that's another question. <laughs> you don't have to know the answers to all the questions to be joyful. All you need is enough. That's something that, by the way, that many of us have, especially those who hunger and thirst after knowledge and want to know everything. Mm -hmm. And at some go for various topics. Others will go really, really deep into a particular subject so that he winds up reading every book on the topic and things like this. All right. Because we have this thirst for knowledge, thinking that if we know enough or we know all of the right things, then I can be happy. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that you only need to know a few things to be happy. Only a very few things do you need to know to be happy. Like to know the difference between what is a wholesome thought is an unwholesome thought. You need to know how to take an unwholesome thought out of the mind and put a wholesome thought there. Just the very basics of Anapanasati is all one really needs to know. But that's one of the things that I uh, have talked about before in the sense of I don't know every sutta. I would say that I know a very small percentage of the suttas, but I'm lucky enough to know enough. Even if even the 10% of the suttas that I know is enough. Don't have to know it all. I don't know if anybody can know it all. I've seen some know-it-alls who think they know it all, but they don't know it all. Nobody will know it all. The question is, can you be satisfied at the level of ignorance you're in? Because you've been taught that, no, you have to know more and more and more and more and more, and then you can be just be satisfied. But when you got more and more and more and more, then instead of being satisfied, you just want more and more and more and more in order to be satisfied until there's no end to it. The question is, when will enough be enough so that you can relax and say, I've got enough now? Then how do you gain knowledge? They, you stop, you don't know. You, you gain knowledge because you like it. But right now you need to gain the feeling of enough is enough. And I'm satisfied, you see. You're going oh. to keep getting more and more and more knowledge and it's not going to do you any good much. 
-hmm. that what you need to do is get yourself into a state of joy and satisfaction, and then you can play with the information. You can learn what you want to do and play with it as a toy rather than needing it. That's yeah, yeah, that's a completely different perspective of needing the knowledge and playing mm -hmm. with it. What you need is to become satisfied. When you're satisfied, then you can learn. When you need to know, it's not ever enough. And not only that, but you've also made the, uh, the mistake that all so many of us make, and that is the distinction between what's happening right now versus the long term. That when I'm talking about becoming satisfied, I'm talking about in this moment, right now, just become satisfied, get into the habit of it right now. Later, we'll do the same thing again. But when you're talking about knowledge, you're talking about a whole library of stuff that you got to read. You're talking about the next 10 or 20 years of knowledge reading and gaining, all right, long term. No, you can either do all of that knowledge gaining long term and be satisfied or be dissatisfied, your choice. If you spend a little time getting satisfied right now, then you'll enjoy reading all those books. Or you can go ahead and start reading the books now and be dissatisfied for the next 20 years. With every book you read, you set it down, at least you finish it, but you're still not satisfied. When you say anapanasati, you like what's the practice like to to be satisfied? Thank you for things? asking that question. Yes, I should define that. Anapanasati actually means mindfulness of breathing in and breathing out, most specifically mindfulness of breathing in long and mindfulness of breathing out long. That's the anapanasati. Ana is the in-breath, prana is the out-breath, sati is uh, mindfulness of breathing. But that's just the basics of it because uh, the whole practice also has to do with waking up, investigating the mind, seeing what's wholesome, removing the unwholesome and putting the wholesome in the mind, and we're doing all of that with that in-breath. Just to throw that stuff out and say, never mind, I'm satisfied right now. Never mind, that job is done. I finished that. And so we keep coming back over and over again to practice being in a state of satisfaction until that becomes our base station. Now, the base station that people live in is in, in a base station of dissatisfaction. We're always wanting it to be different than it is. And so we need to practice being in a state of satisfaction. And from that state of satisfaction, then we can live a magnificently happy life. Very successful. For those who want to read, they can read a million books. For those who want to sit on the butt, they do that happily and with great success and um, precision. What you do is not important, but how you feel is everything. And like, how, how would you describe like the practice, for example, in this second? If I wanted to practice, it would be like being aware of my breath. But how 
feels like satisfaction comes of just like relaxing into this and it's like hey, it's okay yeah the relaxing and talking to yourself about satisfying things okay. if you can talk to yourself See, we have been talking ourselves into feeling bad. Now we're going to talk ourselves into feeling good. And one of the things that we can say is, everything's okay right now. Everything's fine. I'm satisfied with the way things are. I don't want anything right now. I'm good to go. This is, or I'm good to stay. Everything's okay. We need to develop that as, as, an, as an, uh, a kind of an attitude. But also that attitude has that everything is okay, which means that I can handle it easily. So the cop comes up. That's okay. Let him come. I can handle cops. Let the policeman come. Let the priest come. I fine, I can handle the priest. I can handle the priest. Let death come. That's fine, I can handle that too. Whatever happens, I'm good to go. I can handle it. That's the attitude that comes when being satisfied. Even if your heart just drops, like, and you you lose your breath. It, does, it just doesn't drop. You talk to yourself into it dropping. It's automatic, though. It just no, goes straight into... it's automatic a tenth of a second after you have that heart-dropping thought. But what if, like, a wolf comes, like, sprinting into my room, and then I get scared? Like... Uh-huh. But you had a thought of something dangerous, and then you get scared. It's always that the thought precedes how we feel. That's what I mean by we talk ourselves into feeling that. So if you have that hot drop experience, it's because you talked yourself into that hot drop experience. You had a hot drop, a heart drop thought. I don't know what that thought was, but it could be the, uh, just the thought of falling into the sewer, the thought of falling down, a thought of being fired, a thought of losing a lover, just any kind of thought at all of a tragedy, and then the heart drops. But then all the, the, uh, the beginner, or the one who is non-mindful, all he does is he experiences the heart drop, but he doesn't remember that he caused that. He pulled that trigger for that gun to go off. And in this case, what do we do? Take a breath and say, I'm okay? And say, hey, I don't have to do that to myself. Mm. I don't have to do that. I can be okay. Everything's all right. I don't have to have heart-dropping thoughts. Then, in fact, very quickly, by looking at it this way, you'll say, I know exactly what that heart-dropping thought was. Before, my heart just dropped and didn't know why. Now you can check it out. You can say, oh, the heart dropped because I pulled the pen on it. <laughs> I had a thought that made the heart drop. I had a heart drop thought, and there it goes. It drops. Well, I didn't notice that. I usually don't mentally notice that thought. It just It's the feeling, and I understand that it's uh, the fear that's underneath the whole thing. And... and mm. A major part of the teaching is the teaching of cause and effect. Nothing happens on its own. Heart drops don't happen on their own. Mm -hmm. Something caused it. That's an important point, is to recognize whenever you have a heart drop, 
whenever you're in depression, whenever you have anxiety, whenever you have grief or any other thing, recognize that more than likely you had a thought of that a tenth or a twentieth, no, actually a tenth or a fifth of a second before the heart actually drops. Mm -hmm. You thought of something. You thought of boogeyman or you thought of a vicious dog or you thought of a dead dog or you thought of this, that, and the other thing, but whatever it was, it could have been just one little tiny mental image and then whoop goes the feelings. If that's true, then if I have these kind of feelings, then guess where my uh, have these kind of thoughts, then guess where my feelings go. And can you just like, because when I'm meditating, sometimes, uh, like sitting down, like just random thoughts arise, you know. And sometimes when I have had like, not well, yeah, difficult meditations, I guess, like they're very painful memories that arise. So it's like the memory, and then my body tenses up, and then I'm exactly. like, okay, relax. So I relax, but then that happens and happens. Well, until well, whenever it those thoughts, whenever, here's the way though. If you have that thought and then the bad feeling and then another thought and a bad feeling and another thought and another bad feeling, you're stuck. But if you can have some mindfulness, you can say, wait a minute, I don't have to have that thought. And if I stop having that thought and start having uh, nurturing thoughts, then the feelings will stop that way. And you'll start to feel nurtured because you're nurturing yourself with thinking. And so you begin to feel that way also that the mind and the heart are interrelated that way. I think and I was so missing the nurturing part in my practice. <laughs> yes, you need to add nurturing. You need to add nurturing. We all need to add nurturing in there to stop being critical about I want this and I want that state of meditation or I did I got it one time and I don't have it now for me I want to feel good I want to feel good well wanting to feel good is bad feelings <laughs> rather than wait a minute everything's okay I don't have to feel like that I can just feel right the way that I feel right now and it's okay how I feel right now is fine and with that we can say but that satisfaction also comes with the fact that I feel comfortable right now and I feel safe right now. It's really not a good idea to stand in traffic trying to be satisfied. No, you need to get yourself into a safe place. Like where you are now is a safe place. So this is a safe place just to be satisfied. This is okay. Everything that's happening is right now. Nothing to do, no place to go. The spring comes and the grass grows by itself. That's a piece of haiku out of Japanese as by Busho. I like it. I tell the students often, no place to go and nothing to do. And the spring comes and the grass grows by itself. Grass doesn't need my help. Got nothing to do here. I can just sit and be satisfied. If I can get myself into that state often, I can begin to live an active life very satisfied. But if I don't practice being satisfied, I can live a busy life and do the whole show unsatisfied, which is your choice. Just to live a happy, joyful, satisfied life that's active. Or an unsatisfied, grasping, wanting life that is full of work and toil 
that people are not enjoying. And to think that we have choice of that. And we don't even know that we've got a choice because the only one, the only possible choice that we have was the one that we were raised with. Rather than recognizing, no, we have a new choice. The choice to be satisfied. The choice to everything's okay. Everything's all right, everything's fine, no worries, no problems. Ah, what a nice day, beautiful day. It always ends so well with you, Don Murado. In your whole, you're so <laughs> well, you just tell yourself the things that we've been talking about here. That's all. You have to remember to do that. Everything's all right. Everything's fine. Not a worry in the world. Everything's okay. Anything that needs to be done, I can do it well. I can do it pleasurably. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I feel satisfied. <laughs> Anita, thank you for calling. I've really enjoyed talking with you. This has been really delightful. I hope that you call back and we can continue on with some more details of the, of the practice. And thank you, Anna. You have been absolutely essential in this call. I'm really <laughs> glad that you were here. You I really always thought college was a mess, <laughs> and then <laughs> cried. Yes. Was but then three of us enjoy you working through it. <laughs> and to think you could have just been in your own pity party forever for how long, and now you've got three people joyful watching you come out of your pity party. <laughs> Yes, it's definitely it's very satisfying. <laughs> Ladies, thank you so thank much. You. I'll see you later. Thank you, Damarado. Nice to meet you. Nice thank to meet you, you. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Thank you for being here. <laughs> okay. Thank Call you. back in a couple of three days, maybe a week, something up to you. But I'd be happy to talk with you again, and we'll get more into it, both of you. This is an open invitation. Thank you. I will practice and then come back. <laughs> okay. See you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay.